Richard Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there is or not. I don't know if there's a black and white answer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how. Give us some men who know the truth. And who will declare the truth? And who will stand with Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards? And who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Denial. It's not just a river in Egypt, don't you? No, this is Wretched Radio. Uh, there is something a-brewing, and the world appears to be noticing, and yet evangelicals appear to be denying a resurgence of a subject that has been hotly contested for millennium, and that is the issue of, oh, here we go again, church-state relations. I hold in my never-before nicotine-stained fingers three, three really lengthy treatises on the new understanding of the church's relationship with the state, at least according to what is a growing number of evangelicals. And I've noticed many are denying that it's actually going on. It's, by my estimation, I've, I've seen it now for months and months, there is a growing group, and by the way, not exclusively, but it is worth observing, the largest segment of what we will generously call evangelicalism, uh, tends to be NAR, uh, tends to be from charismatic circles. And the world seems to be noticing that there is a greater push to rewrite and re-understand the relationship between church and state. And my concern is that if we are not aware of this, and if we don't understand this, and if we aren't ready to respond to this, I fear for the local church and the local pastor. Sir, you're going to take a beating if you haven't already. There are going to be people who find something very attractive about this new form of muscular Christianity that demands we need to, varying terms, reclaim America. We need Christianity to be, this needs to be a Christian nation. Have you felt that yet? If you haven't, I think you're going to, courtesy of social media, uh, th these movements, they don't just stay in a particular territory. They go everywhere. And we're seeing popular books, conferences, podcasts, radio shows that are promoting what the world is noticing that I would encourage all of us to be aware of because this, it is such a gut issue. Let's be come on, is this subject to politics? Can you have it? You can even be, okay, all right, here you go. You're having a conversation. Now, this, this is my little fantasy here. You're having a conversation with John MacArthur, and you're talking about politics and how the Bible points toward capitalism and liberty, and you're, yeah, 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 yeah. And then Dr. John MacArthur says, but, you know, I really don't have biblical grounds for opposing the high tax rates in California. Heretic! Heretic! How dare you have a difference of opinion on a political... It's just a gut issue. Uh, people are speculating like a nobody's business. I've been actually reading a number of articles. One of the headlines was, why are people so mean? <laughs> why is everybody so angry at one another? Well, the realm of politics, woof. 
It is divisive, and I know why. These are more than tax issues. These are deep, profound moral issues. And we struggle to speak even to one another in a loving way. I was going to say civil, but in a, we're, we're called to go beyond civil in a loving way. And so it is, if we aren't prepared to understand this issue and respond to the encouragement that we, Pastor, you need to be preaching on these issues every Sunday. I got to tell you, um, uh, I, I, I struggle mightily to even think about telling a pastor what he should be preaching about because that ain't none of my business. <laughs> He's the shepherd of that local assembly. He needs to sort it. He needs to figure it out. And, and Pastor, you've got your eye on your people and your sheep. Oh, you got a couple that are straying. Oh, you got some, they're kind of dabbling. Oh, you know what? They're not very mature. I need to move them to meet. You've got your considerations. And if you haven't experienced it yet, you're going to be told you aren't being strong enough. You're a compromiser. No, that is a possibility. I mean, it is a possibility. I think there are some social issues. I think it was Martin Luther who basically, I'm paraphrasing, said something like the pastor who is not ever preaching about the hot societal ill uh, shouldn't be a pastor. Something like that. He said it in German, so I'm translating it for you, too. Uh, there's big stuff going on. And, and right now, for instance, I don't know. I don't know how a pastor can avoid talking about the LGBT stuff, the transgender stuff, uh, the marriage stuff. These, these, these are these. They're on the the minds of everyone, and this is this to me would be addressing something that helps the sheep to navigate these choppy cultural waters. But I wouldn't tell him how often and how how loudly he needs to preach on this subject. But I fear, Pastor, you're going to be told that. And if you don't get with it and start preaching very firmly on these issues, meaning you need to sound pretty aggressive, then you're a compromiser. Now, again, I'll say it. Maybe you are because you never do. And you just think, oh, I should never talk about these things. I don't think that's right either. But I don't think it's right for me to tell you what that balance should be. Merely. Perhaps I could serve you in pointing out uh, there, this, this, this conversation, it's getting louder. And if you haven't heard it inside of your church, you're going to. Article number one, she's a prophet. She's a theocrat. She's the most powerful lobbyist you've never heard of. This is a woman in Pennsylvania who is an AR. They even recognize it inside of the article. Pledged to take control of these seven mountains of influence, government, education, media, family, entertainment, religion, and business. They are calling her a theocrat from theocracy. She'd probably say she's just a dominionist. Nevertheless, it's eschatological. We get control of these seven mountains and then Jesus comes back. And even if that isn't your eschatology, probably is, but even if it isn't, we need to get a hold of those seven mountains because, hey, Jesus is sovereign over all. And therefore, his influence should be felt in each one of those realms. That's the argument. That's what this woman is bringing. And the world is recognizing it. Article number two. God wins. That's the in quotations. Christian worship leader reacts to newspaper claiming his gatherings are 
dangerous about whom are they speaking? NAR worship leader Sean Foigt. Along with his group, Hold the Line and Turning Point USA, they're leading a 50-state worship tour at all state capitals. I don't know why we have to do a worship tour at a capital. Nevertheless, they're identifying, hey, this, this, this is happening. And they, this is from, this, well, this happens to be from BeliefNet. What laws are there outside of the biblical law? This is Sean, Sean Foyt. What laws are there outside of the biblical moral law? Well, there are a lot of laws, speeding laws, emergency exit laws, health codes, etc. Nevertheless, what other standard is there to base the laws of a nation upon besides the Bible? I got to tell you, if, if we want the laws based on the Bible, then we should be electing more Bible believers into government. But this is a movement, and they're recognizing it in both Mother Jones and BeliefNet, that says, no, actually, the Bible should be used as the legislative guide for, for writing laws. Now, that's different than what it's been. And the world is noticing it. And by the way, please note, there's a, it's a big, big sector of this. It's not the only participant, but the big participant in this movement is indeed the NAR and more charismatic circles. They are the ones that have a tendency to be very into varying forms of theocracy, of reclaiming America, turning it around, bringing it back to what it once was. And you know what? Um, you know, honestly, the only way that I would want it to go back to what it once was is if people were genuinely born again. Because if it's true in our our age to ask, it's a rhetorical question, what does it profit a nation? If the stock market soars, uh, they're the number one superpower, they police the world, but everybody dies and goes to hell. Well, what does it profit a nation if we suddenly go back to singing Pat Boone songs, but everybody dies and goes to hell? Say, I want people to get saved, not just behave morally. Now, believe me, I get it. It's good when they do. But from a Christian perspective, I don't want to use my religion to force them to behave in a way they don't want to. That's not what we're called to do. Is it better if they do? Of course it is. But that doesn't mean that's what we should be doing. Our job, our mandate is to go and preach the gospel. Case in point, number three, and this one's a pistol, 13 pages long from The Atlantic. The world is noticing, headline, the woman who bought a mountain for God. You won't be shocked. She too is from the NAR. And she bought a mountain because God told her so. And The Atlantic decided, let's go interview that woman and see how it turned out and see what exactly is brewing because the world is noticing. And it appears the church is denying. Next on Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined yeah, 
we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. You know, what used to be a movie is now a sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault. But we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz. And they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2. Tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. So, you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. Then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God it's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor. Wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. Know your church fathers. Origen of Alexandria was a 2nd century theologian who wrote one of the first systematic theology books. Origen observed that heretics twisted and misused scripture by taking verses out of context. However, he refuted them by reading the verses in context and interpreting them in the light of the rest of scripture. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Park on. This is Wretched Radio. The Atlantic noticing something that it appears many evangelicals are denying, and that is the growth of a movement that seeks to, in varying forms, have God in control of government via the church or individual Christians. The headline, The Woman Who Bought a Mountain for God. She heard God say, you gotta buy this mountain. And so, she did. The Atlantic went to visit her. 
interview her, and this woman was more than happy to spend time with the interviewer, with the journalist, but only if he would do some stuff. Having bought a mountain for $950,000 of her divorce settlement, she was going to advance the kingdom of God in the most literal of ways. What happened next is the story of one woman's journey into the fastest growing segment of Christianity in the country, a movement that helped propel Donald Trump to the White House that fueled his attempts to over blah, 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 blah. The, the movement is the NAR, New Apostolic Reformation Movement. And anybody who's even a satellite to that particular movement, the world is noticing. Here's what it's just very clear. It's called the New Apostolic Reformation, or NAR, a sprawling ecosystem of leaders who call themselves apostles and prophets and claim to receive direct revelations from God. It has, this is, this is, this is growing. It's, it's big. It has global prayer networks, streaming broadcasts, books, podcasts, apps, social media influencers, and revival tours. It has academies, including a new one where a fatigues-wearing prophet says he's training warriors for spiritual battle against demonic forces, which he and the other leaders are identifying as people and groups associated with liberal politics. The world has noticed. The movement is seeking political power as a means to achieving a more transcendent goal, to bring under biblical authority every sphere of life, including government, schools, culture itself, establishing not just a Christian nation, as the traditional religious right has advocated, but an actual earthly kingdom of God. And so this journalist called her up to say, can I talk to you? And it's we're going to we're going to take a selective tour it's a lengthy article but i think it's it's bang on with its understanding of a very fast growing movement she said she was willing to meet but first the journalist had to do three things here they are one was to go see a film called jesus revolution the second thing was visiting a church called life center whose senior pastor had been among the original california jesus freaks and now held the title of Apostle. So he went. The books on display included, Now is the Time, Seven Converging Signs of the Emerging Great Awakening, and It's Our Turn Now. God's plan to restore America is within our reach. The Apostle was out of town, so another pastor showed visitors into the sanctuary, a 1,600-seat auditorium. That's a big church with no images of Jesus, no stained glass parables, no worn hymnals, no reminders of the 2,000 years of Christian history. Instead, six huge screens glowed with images of spinning stars. On a stage, a praise band was... <laughs> I don't think this individual is a believer. On a stage, a praise band was blasting emotional, surging songs vaguely reminiscent of Coldplay. Ouch. Rows of spotlights were shining on people who stood, hands raised, and sang mantra-like choruses about surrender. The final thing that he had to attend was an event called KEY, all caps KEY, Fellowship, which stands for Kingdom Empowering You. He goes to the event. They all filed through a door mar marked by a white flag stamped with a green pine tree and the words, An Appeal to Heaven, A Revolutionary War. 
a Revolutionary War era banner, sorry, of the sort that rioters carried into the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. I don't know if that's accurate or not. We thank you, Father, that you have chosen us, said the woman who organized the event, explaining its purpose was to, quote, release spiritual authority over the region. And then the releasing began, the band, the singing, the shouting, Lord, have your dominion. Several men stood and blew shofars, hollowed out ram's horns used in traditional Jewish worship and meant in this context to warn demons and herald the gathering of a modern-day army of God. Out came maracas and tambourines. Out came long wooden staffs that people pounded against the floor. Others waved American flags, Israeli flags, more pine tree flags. The point was to call the Holy Spirit through the walls of the church and into the sanctuary. All of this leading up to the moment when a local pastor came to the stage. She was there to declare the restoration of the nation's covenant with Native American people, which in the movement's intricate end times narrative is the precondition for the establishment of the kingdom. A sacred drum pounded, Father, we pray for a holy experiment. A white man cried. Then people began marching in circles around the rooms, flags, tambourines, maracas, staff, as the final song played. Possess the land, the chorus went. We will take it by force. Take it. Take it. Now, that hasn't happened. Hopefully it doesn't. But it wouldn't be the first time that we've seen Christian activism get rather violent. Back to the article. This is again from The Atlantic. A woman who bought a mountain for God. She talked a lot about convergence with the journalist from The Atlantic that she used the terms spiritual warfare, demonic strongholds. Quote, these were the kinds of terms that she tossed off easily and knew could make the movement sound loopy to outsiders, but they were part of a vocabulary that added up a whole way of seeing the world, one traceable not so much to ancient times, but rather to 1971. Somebody did their own work. That was when an evangelical missionary named C. Peter Wagner, remember that name? He was an academic who became NAR, basically became Prophet Wagner. And he was one of the pillars of the NAR movement, even though they reject that term. He returned to California after spending more than a decade in Bolivia, where he had noticed churches growing expressly explosively and where he claimed to have seen signs and wonders, healings and prophecies. He was a prophet, Fuller Theological Sem in Pasadena. Dina. He began studying what he believed were similar forces at work in the underground house church movement in China and in certain African countries, as well as Pentecostal churches in the U.S. He concluded, a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit was underway across the globe, a supernatural force that would erase denominational differences, banish demonic spirits, and restore the offices of the first century church as part of the great end times battle. By the mid-1990s, Wagner and others were describing all of this as the New Apostolic Reformation. All about recognizing there's a new batch of apostles, men and women who had spiritual authority. People believed they were chosen by God to receive revelations from God through dreams and visions and signs. It meant spiritual warfare, which was not intended to be taken metaphorically, but actually demanded the battling of demons that could possess people in territories and were so real 
They could be diagrammed on maps. It goes on to talk about the manifest sons of God. This was a force that would be endowed with supernatural powers for spiritual and maybe actual warfare, requiring not just personal salvation, but action to transform all of society. Christians were to reclaim the fallen earth from Satan and advance the kingdom of God. And it wasn't metaphorical. This is from The Atlantic, doing a pretty good job of describing the NAR. By the way, a recent survey by Paul Juppe of Denison University finds roughly one quarter of Americans believe in modern day prophets and prophecies. Those who have tracked and studied the movement for years say it's hiding in plain sight. Well, it's growing, and they are finding that they can hold hands with many in conservative evangelical circles who, varying degrees, I don't think anybody is on the exact same page, of a muscular Christianity that somehow, if you will, makes this a more Christian nation. Now, this article goes on and on and on. It concludes with the fact that the woman who bought the mountain um, is still looking at her mountain. Because even though she thought God told her, you're going to build a bit of a Christian empire, a carnival, the amusement park, never quite got the funding. And it fell apart. So apparently she didn't hear from God. But that doesn't mean that she's going to stop listening for him and stop trying to encourage the church to become much more muscular. I just don't think that this is a subject that we can deny any longer. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, a report from the Daily Wire suggests that the largest teachers union in our country, the National Education Association, has been charged with coaching teachers to inject gender identity into curriculum. Say it isn't so. The report describes a recent conference in July where two of the sessions of the conference were titled Affirming LGBTQ Identities in and Out of the Classroom and also the TGNCNB, that's Transgender Nonconforming Nonbinary Inclusive School and Classroom. All of these acronyms and alphabet soups and all of these things that are such hot button issues right now, I would venture to say 90% of children still don't know how to balance a checkbook. What's a checkbook? Yeah, exactly. And in Georgia, federal judges blocked a law that would have banned hormone treatment for transgender minors. So basically, a federal judge has blocked a law that would have protected children from mutilating their bodies permanently that cannot be altered should they realize they were suffering from mental illness. Basically, that's the gist of it. HB 481 been sent to the corner for a timeout, unfortunately. Well, over on the West Coast, a group of California college professors has thrown their academic hats into the legal ring because they filed lawsuits against the state over the newly implemented DEI requirements. Professors claim that the mandate violates their First Amendment rights. And now to Pakistan, where a Christian man has been charged with blasphemy, of course he has, for allegedly insulting Islam in a TikTok video. 
This blasphemy law in Pakistan is absolutely ridiculous and nothing more than a way for the government and others to persecute Christians. As we tell you so frequently here at Wretched, please make sure that you continue praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters in Pakistan and all over the world. And lastly, for those flying Southwest Airlines, you might be interested to know that a flight attendant working for the organization no longer works for the organization. The flight attendant was fired by the airline for expressing their pro-life views during a private conversation with the passenger. The airline defended its decision, stating that company policy was for personal beliefs not to be shared during the flight. And you know, while I totally disagree with the move, when you're at work, you're at work. And if the company you work for says it's a no-go, you just don't do it if you want to keep your job. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 1738. John Wesley's conversion eventually leads to the founding of the Methodist Church. Although he had no intention of forming a separate denomination, Wesley's followers left the Anglican Communion and founded churches throughout England and America. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Yes, yes I am. She took my reason for living. Oh, take it, Elvis. She took my small baby boy. is Elvis Radio, uh, Wretched Radio. <laughs> Working it in 1972 and the Atlantic uh, presenting to us a big work that is going on as we speak. Was not going to dive back into this lengthy treatise of the new apostolic reformation movement, but because the journalist, who I don't think is a professing believer, did such a fine job of identifying what it is that is leading people to join this mass, the fastest growing sect in Christianity known as the New Apostolic Reformation Movement. We'll learn a little something about this movement, and maybe just maybe we'll learn a little something about our churches. A woman bought a mountain. She got divorced from the settlement used $960,000 to buy a mountain, claiming that God told her to basically turn it into a mountain like Wisconsin Dells, which would contribute to the advancing of the kingdom of God so that Jesus could return. Well, didn't work out. Apparently didn't hear clearly from God on that one. But this article describes why it is that she found herself inside of the NAR. And I can't help but think maybe just maybe we could learn a little something from this. Like many in the movement, she doesn't use the phrase New Apostolic Reformation, but she encountered that kind of Christianity in 2005 when a friend gave her a book called Song of Songs, that's Song of Solomon, you okay? You good? Not so good. Now, can you read this for me? Because I think that I might need an airplane sickness bag. Can you see that underneath my finger through the camera? Divine romance? <laughs> That's the one. It's a part of a series called The Passion Translation. Well, there's a shocker there. She was alone at her vulnerable point in her life. 
when she opened up the book and began reading passages such as, I'm overshadowed by his love. Let him smother me with kisses. This is a book about our Savior, by the way. His spirit kiss divine. So kind are your caresses. I drink them in like the sweetest wine. It is a very hyper-allegorized approach to the Song of Solomon's that turns our relationship into with the creator of the universe as being romantic. Remember, it's in the title, Divine Romance. If I'm not mistaken, there's a Bethel song that actually uh, we... We sing, we dance, it's a divine romance. And if they haven't sung that song yet, well, feel free to take it if you happen to be from Bethel. Worship music. Because they believe that our relationship with our Savior can be based on the Song of Solomon, which is the story of a man and a woman on their wedding night. Now, is it a picture of Jesus and the church? Of course it is. But now with the sexual part, yikes! Let's see what we can learn. She never felt so loved in her life, and she wanted more. So she signed up for a, at a church for a conference called Open the Heavens, where she learned about prophecy, spiritual warfare, and that she would play a role in advancing the kingdom of God if she could discern what it was. What a shame. I, you know, Do you know that you're participating right now in advancing the kingdom of God? I don't know what you're doing, but you are. Because you are the Lord's representative on this planet. And even as you go about your mundane tasks, I, I just writing about this in a book. Jimmy, I'm almost done with it, too, by the way. Are you really? Yeah, but here, see, here's, I, I think this illustration works. So many people, they want to feel like they're in God's will, participating with him, advancing the kingdom. Well, I got something better for you. Every second of every day, you're glorifying God. You're doing it well or you're doing it poorly. But either way, you are going to glorify God in everything that you do. Your very existence as a human being, an image maker of God, makes you a God glorifier. That's what you're doing right now. You don't need to go look for more purpose. You're in it. Maybe not aware of it. Now, here's where sometimes people, I think, get tripped up. They think, well, but if I'm not thinking about God or if I'm not doing something that we would have platonically confused as something sacred, well, then I'm then I'm not participating. That's wrong. Just flat out wrong. Think of yourself. Sorry for the militaristic analogy, but it works. A soldier in the army. He is enlisted. He trains, makes his bed, cleans the barracks, does his drills, packs his bag, gets on a train or a plane, and he goes overseas to engage in war. Now, here's a, here's a question for you. If that soldier wasn't at the moment thinking about the commander-in-chief, was he not still a soldier? Was he not still participating in this military effort? Was he still not being obedient and, dare I say, pleasing to his commander-in-chief? Even if he wasn't thinking about it, you go, well, yeah, because he was about the business of the commander-in-chief. Bingo. And when your life is increasingly in alignment with God's will as revealed in his word, then soldier, just keep marching on. And now this isn't to suggest you never have to think about God. That would be dumb and to waste a lovely opportunity to enjoy the God who wants us to enjoy him. Remember the Westminster Confession, what's the chief end of man? 
but you are, you are. And rather than going to some movement where you can think that you're participating in the advancing of the kingdom of God through politics, now if you want to get into politics, that's fine. That caveat always needs to be added. But advance the kingdom by talking about the king. Be obedient. Be a great parent, great child. Be a wonderful spouse. Be a good church member. Be good to your neighbors. And even if you are not thinking about God in those moments, you're still about his business and you're glorifying him. But there's another aspect of this that I think has something for us to learn. She had never felt so loved in her life. She reads some gloppy, romantic dreck about Jesus and, oh, she feels loved. Excuse me. Um, why wouldn't she have felt loved in an evangelical church? Now, I, I don't know all the details, and that might not be entirely fair, but is it possible that one of the reasons that this aberrant movement is so successful is because they feel love, whether real or imagined, and it's attractive to people, and why wouldn't it be? That's what we're made for. We are made to know God, and that means to enjoy Him. Right now, I happen to be working on a sermon. I get to be in St. Paul, Minnesota. You better be in better shape next time, St. Paul, Minnesota, in the middle of September. I'll let you know dates and times. It's a great church in St. Paul. Ace does it. Pastor named Ace. That's not a nickname. Pastor Ace. And I get to take his pulpit. I This is, I'm telling you, it borders on miraculous because I think this will be the third or fourth time I've actually got to preach at the church. That's never happened before. I usually preach one time and it's like, he ain't coming back. Nevertheless, I'm going to be talking about this subject and how God's love is manifested most magnificently. He manifested a lot, but most magnificently connected to forgiveness of sins, his mercy, his chesed, his loving kindness. It's all over the Bible. It's everywhere. In fact, hold on. Well, it's, it's just amazing how you can read stuff year after year, and you just, it's like, where did that come from? This is Jesus' high priestly prayer in the Gospel of John. I don't know why we don't quote this more. This is actually the Trinitarian Godhead communicating with one another. The Son is talking to the Father, and the words that he spoke are actually recorded. Now, if you recall, he prayed about the cup that was coming. He prayed also for the apostles. But then he prays for you. Just, li just listen for the word love. Listen for what he wants you to actually experience. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who, I uh, who will believe in me through their word. That's you. And that they may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world would believe you sent me. That is profoundly relational. You're in God, just like the Son is in the Father. You're in the Son. You're in the Father. This is, this is, this is closeness, not romantic song of Solomon's silliness. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, and they may, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Whoa. Hold on. Father, I desire that also those you gave to me 
uh, that they may be where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you've given me. For you loved me before the foundations of the world, O righteous Father. The world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them. Why, oh why, are people looking for love outside of our churches? This is Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds, 54,000 babies were saved, 69 ultrasound machines were placed, 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. We are incredibly grateful for you and all of the support that you have given us over the years. If you've donated in the past, know that your partnership has allowed us to reach millions of people all over the world with the unadulterated truth of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, we've got a confession to make. We would love for you to prayerfully consider what it might look like in your life if you could possibly join us as an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. We want you to join us in standing firm in the gospel and continuing to spread the message to the ends of the earth. But again, we want you to consider what it would look like in your life. We only want you to join us on an ongoing basis if you're not currently in debt and if you are giving to your local church. Pray about it. Talk to your spouse about it. Look at your finances and make sure that you could actually make it work. And if you can, log on to wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Books of the Bible. Colossians was written by Paul to combat false teaching, which taught adherence to dietary laws and religious festivals, and claimed special knowledge received through visions. Paul argues that Christ's sacrifice and revelation are sufficient for salvation. 
When you are tempted to add to the gospel, remember, Jesus is sufficient and you can trust in him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You probably aren't going to be surprised. Elvis, sorry, Wretched Radio. (laughs) A woman bought a mountain because God presumably told her to. The Atlantic heard about it and decided, let's go see what this is all about. And they discovered the fastest growing sect of Christianity is on the march, maybe quite literally. And the Atlantic did a deep dive into the NAR. And whilst I do believe we can learn much about the fastest-growing sect in Christendom. I can't help but think we might just learn a little something about ourselves, specifically our Bible-teaching churches. This might not be entirely fair to suggest this woman couldn't find what she was looking for in an evangelical church, but I think that there's a lot of Christians who haven't discovered something that God wants us to to experience and enjoy and, and, and swim in, if I might. And that is his love, to know the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I, 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 I can't help but think that because we are so biblically minded, that we are so desiring to accurately divide the word of truth that maybe, just maybe, due to the fact that this romantic, gloppy, disgusting preaching about the love of God has actually caused us to avoid the subject of the love of God. And that's a tragedy. We have to overcome that. And by the way, this might be my last shout out for this. We have some, I don't know how many, but we have some copies of Heath Lambert's book, The Great Love of God. If you struggle with actually believing that God loves you, that he loves you, Not generally, we're not talking about humanity, although he has a general love for humankind, but he has a very specific, profound love for you because you are in Christ. If you struggle with that, we'll give it to you. It's got to be an issue that you're wrestling with. But if you are, we'd love to give you this book. It's called The Great Love of God, Encountering God's Heart for a Hostile World by Dr. Heath Lambert. You have to pay for shipping. We'll... Thanks to our gospel partners, we'll send you the book. You can do that at wretched.org slash love, wretched.org slash love. Back to the article. A little cursor, a primer, if you will, on the NAR. This woman found love, gloppy romantic love in the NAR, but she went to an event called Open the heavens. That's a refrain we hear a lot. Among the speakers she heard was a rising apostle named Lance Walnow. This guy's been in business a long time. A former corporate marketer whose social media following had grown to 2 million people after he prophesied that Donald Trump was anointed by God because she had voted in that direction. Her interest in Walnow had more to do with what he branded as the Seven Mountains Mandate, or 7 capital M, the imperative for Christians to build the kingdom by taking dominion over the seven spheres of society. Here they are again, government, business, education, media, entertainment, family, and religion. They're nailing it. 
inside of this article, Lance Wallnow, one of the biggies, see Peter Wagner, he's dead now. If you have not seen our presentation on this subject, I would encourage you to do so at wretched.org. It's called Drunk in the Spirit. See, <sighs> uh, Peter Wagner was an academic. He taught at Fuller. The stuff that he said was so fantastically bizarre. It was it was something about it was disgusting. It had something to do with a Japanese god, and it just it's just some weird prophecy that had to do with sex. And it was like, yeesh, there's just some strange stuff coming out of that movement. Lance Wallnow is another one. She soon began listening to an influential South Carolina apostle named Dutch Sheets. I don't think Dutch Sheets is still alive either, who had for years advocated an end to church-state separation and co-authored something called the Watchman Decree, a kind of pledge of allegiance that included the phrase, we the church are God's governing body on the earth. Whoa, that movement is growing. It's, it is growing very fast. It's being preached in pulpits all the time. And major events are touring the country. They get to that, by the way. She flew to Tampa, Florida for a stop on the Reawaken America tour. She drove another uh, to another one a few hours away from her home, then watched others online, events featuring a roster of prophets alongside headliner General Michael Flynn who is now declaring the nation to be in a state of spiritual war. And there's thousands and thousands of people going to these. Like many in the movement, she doesn't like to be called NAR, but that is precisely what this is in varying forms. And it's growing. And it's, it's going to knock on the doors of your church. And... It is very possible your kids could get hooked into this movement via the music. That is the lure. The hook is the NAR teaching. The, the hook is the music, which is why I encourage you, you can do this for free at the YouTube machine. Justin Peters and I talked about why your church should think long and hard about singing the Hill song and the Bethel music, that, 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 it, is, that it is a way for them to say to the kids, it's okay. You can go to one of their concerts, one of their events, and the kids are flooding into this movement. And there's a couple of reasons that they're finding it so attractive. More we can learn about what we're doing. And that is they're putting them to work. They're a part of something. You can change the world. And they are biting into that because they want something to do. Why are we giving our kids stuff to do? We make it so if I hear one more pass, hey, look, everybody, settle down. Okay, go ahead and grab another piece of pizza, but just sit down. This will be really quick, man. I'm just, just hang in there with me for this. All apologetic about a little short Bible lesson. Why do we do that? Why aren't we calling them up? Here, here's one for you that's crazy. You're gonna. This is so counterintuitive. When it comes to cleaning day at the church, why aren't the kids doing it? Seriously. Every old person that wants to be a part of it should be standing there with their arms folded, just pointing out what needs to be done. Why aren't the kids doing that work? You used to do it, remember? You used to have to clean and do chores. Instead, you're probably going to see a teenagers who get dragged there maybe by the ear that don't do a whole lot. We got to be getting them involved. We got to be having them. They do want to work. 
They do want to be involved in a part of something to say, hey, I contributed to something that's more important than just winning another video game. Why are we doing that? Well, why, why isn't the church sending them out? Why isn't the church having them go out and witness to people on their campuses? We're making a big mistake. And these kids, they're finding a cause in the New Apostolic Reformation Movement. Furthermore, they are, they're feeling the love there. It's sort of like the Mormons who love bomb people. They're not feeling it where we are. Now, I know there's an immediate danger of becoming all gloppy and sentimental about our understanding of God's love. Here's, here's, here's another verse. This is, now, this is fascinating. This is from the book of Jude. You know the book of Jude. It's the false teacher book. So is Second Peter, but, but, but Jude, much more so. I wanted to write to you about the gospel, but instead... I got to tell you, there's some bad teachers and we need to identify them. So we love this book because it points out bad teachers. But don't forget, I wouldn't call it an inclusio, but it's a little bit of a book. And I wanted to talk to you about the gospel. And then I think it's verse 21. Yep, here it is. Here's the sign off. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most, most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves, what? What? Could have said a lot of things, and they wouldn't have been wrong. Keep yourself pure. Didn't say that. Keep yourself learning. Didn't say that. Could have said that. Says it elsewhere. Doesn't say it here. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and have some compassion making a distinction. Others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able, couldn't help himself. It's like Jude, want to talk about the gospel. There's a big bad wolf out there and I'm going to tell you about him. And then he breaks out into doxology. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Oh, there's another one. People are lacking joy. Might I ask, do they find it in you, in your church? To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Keep yourself in the love of in it, in the love of God. Kids, they want that love. They're getting a very, well, I was going to say perverted, but I think that actually would be right. Form of that love in the N-A-R. Let's not let them take anymore. Hmm? And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>